the Wet Coast, a podcast about sexuality and ethical non-monogamy of every variety. We talk polyamory and swinging, monogamish and open relationships, from dirty, dirty sex to heartbreak. We share our personal experiences and philosophy, observations and theories, what works for us and where we fucked it right up. Join us on the Wet Coast. Hey everyone, welcome. It's Kat Stark here, and joining me tonight is a special guest, Don Ardent. Hi! You can tweet along with us with hashtag OnTheWetCoast. You can follow us on Twitter at WetCoastCat, that's cat with a K, at DonArdentGrox, at OnTheWetCoast. Read blogs, reviews, and more, www.OnTheWetCoast.com. Email us comments or questions at contact at OnTheWetCoast.com. And if you like what we're doing, please rate us and leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher or your favorite platform. It makes a huge difference for us. Thanks! The relationships between women and non-monogamy are rarely discussed, other than that bisexual babes are hot together. Women have been taught to compete and struggle against even our closest female friends. So how can we connect when there are people we love openly together? And how does it work when we're into each other, too? The complicated dynamics that come from sharing partners, as well as the gray area that is often present between metamor and partner, something I've come to call metamor, are part of what we discuss on this episode of On the Wet Coast. We also chat about how essential honest communication is, and how the myth of the cool girl messes all of us up. And since there was so much to talk about, there's even more in a second part of this discussion that will follow in the next episode. There are many variations of female friendships and non-monogamous relationships. As both Don and I are bisexual, meaning into people of the same gender and genders different than ours, and in heteronormative marriages, i.e. with dudes, we're approaching the discussion from that position, because that's what we know. So, welcome to the Wet Coast, Dawn. Yeah, it's glad, I'm glad to be here. It, it is very wet, <laughs> and it was cold and uh, frozen when I got here. Had quite a variety of weather. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> that's kind of it, although you definitely had to have had some unusual... The sun came out today. And the sun came yes. out, so uh, yeah, just in time for you to go home tomorrow. Exactly, all the weather flavors will send you off with some sunshine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so we decided uh, to talk about female relationships in non-monogamy, as we are uh, a couple of gals. (laughs) Indeed. And uh, have, uh, yeah, just sort of been gradually getting to know each other, I guess, over about a year or so online. Yes, and uh, definitely sped up after uh, hanging out at Desire. Yes. This last year. Yeah, when we finally got to meet in person, Mm -hmm. and... And then, uh, yeah, so we thought we'd take advantage of the fact that we were in the same physical space and actually have a conversation. Um, well, we'd already been having this conversation, and then you had the great idea, you know, maybe we should record this. <laughs> yes, that is true. <laughs> for, for posterity's sake or to, uh, to benefit others, you know, either way yeah. is fine. Yeah, and I just thought it was something that, you know, it's been touched on in, in things that I've heard before, but I haven't, I haven't sort of heard someone just talking specifically about this. And as we as we talked about the episode, you know, it, it evolved fairly differently, because initially, I, I had just been mostly thinking about um, just the way that, you know, it can be awkward as women, you know, having these these multifaceted relationships with other women went, especially if you're coming from like a heteronormative right, background. Right. Um, and just the complications and 
you know, because we have like multiple overlapping partnerships. Yes, we do. And some of our initial contact, particularly after Desire, had been sort of about that, like not so much conflict, but it, it was almost it was conflict avoidant to an extreme degree. Yeah, where it was like, okay, we either can't talk about this, yes, <laughs> or. We really need to just talk about this, yeah. you know, and talk about all that, you know, aspects of it. So it was, it was a dance. And it was funny because I feel like I got to know you in the context of um, talking about our relationships with other people um, and then getting here and us really connecting with each other yes. and building like a relationship that like is actually based on who we are yeah. really made me think about, well, you know, the relationships that I have with women where um, they're friends or, you know, lovers or metamors or, you know, anything, um, what, what defines them? What are they defined by? How, how do I let them be defined? How do I redefine them, mm-hmm. um, you know, properly? And so, you know, we just kind of ended up talking about that an, an awful lot. Um, but they've been good talks. So mm-hmm. here we are yet again. Yeah. And uh, so we thought, yeah, let's, let's grab some cocktails and, <laughs> and the microphone and uh, I let's love, go. I love cocktails. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so today's episode, uh, Dawn here is drinking, I think, uh, bullet bur- bourbon. Yes. Bourbon whiskey. Yeah. And, and Coke. And I am being a complete ridiculous yuppie and drinking a soy milk latte <laughs> with Frangelico in it because that was the only bottle of liqueur that I could find in our liquor cabinet. Hey, man, it's all good. Whatever, whatever floats the boat. Um, <laughs> okay, so yeah, traditionally in monogamy, uh, women are taught to have pretty competitive and antagonistic relationships. Yes, I think that we... We are taught that um, male attention, which, you know, is the most important thing, mm-hmm. is a scarce resource. And so we are fighting each other for it. Um, you know, in nature, the uh, the female animal does not typically have the brightest plumage, but yeah. we definitely flip that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, it's the media. It is just, it's the fucking patriarchy. <laughs> Which is, as my daughter says, bullshit. It is bullshit. It is She's bullshit. not wrong. She's not wrong. Um, you know, and, and all of these things. And then, um, you know, we just do it to each other. And mm-hmm. we're just used to it. It's just kind of the way it is. And it's a very hard system to opt out of. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I remember so much in, you know, like junior high and high school and stuff, there, there being a lot of discussions of like, well, you know, girls don't wear makeup for other girls or for, for boys. They, they wear it for, other for other girls. Oh, yeah. And, and the competitive and, and the thought that went into your outfit and you're like, oh, yeah, that bitch Tanya is going to hate this, you know, <laughs> or whatever. Like, it just, um, there is just so much generated and we're, we're, we're told that this is the way it's going to be. And therefore, it, it just feeds this cycle of, of how it is. But also, why are all the bitches named Tanya? Oh, I don't know. That's I, just a name. Or Michelle. <laughs> like, no offense, Tanya's and Michelle's out there. <laughs> but yeah, oh, my I had a Michelle. Oh, oh I had a Tanya. A she was She was really awful. <laughs> and I can't believe we're just sitting here, like, hating on these poor girls. I but, know, I know. Um, but the way that that competitive nature is encouraged and and we're sort of 
taught that you basically can't have female friendships, like real ones, because they're so competitive. And, oh, yeah, in the workplace, you know, women are awful and a bunch Mm -hmm. of, you know, catty bitches, basically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's really hard to go into into these relationships, especially if you, you know, are coming at coming at it from from having had relationships with men to attempt to figure out how to have these more intimate relationships with women, you know, when you find yourself in non-monogamy. Yeah, um, I really find that um, the female friendships that have come about in my life in the context of non-monogamy differ so much from the relationships that I have with, quote unquote, you know, vanilla people, even if I'm not in a romantic relationship with this woman, or, you know, even if I'm, uh, even if we just know each other from a community, and there's no overlap of partners or anything, Mm -hmm. um, they tend to get really, like, intimate and close and, like, honest and all of that much faster. Yeah. Um, Because I think, you know, we've, we have tried hard, I've tried hard, I know you have, to break down that societal Mm-hmm. thing. And, you know, in order to engage in community, you kind of have to. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, that or they don't want anything to do with me. Mm. It's one or the other. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I think I agree that there's that immediate closeness and intimacy that comes much, much more quickly. And I think just friendships in general in non-monogamy come like that. I think just because you... You've dropped a lot of the facade. Mm-hmm. You've dropped a lot of the walls. You're you're just immediately more honest. And so it allows you to be closer more quickly because you've already dropped like so many levels of like maybe you've seen each other naked and you've maybe seen each other fuck and maybe you've seen, you know, you, you've admitted that you have these desires that are outside of the norm. Um, so it allows you immediately to to be close in a way that, that normally you would have to jump so many hurdles to get past to that point. Yeah, I, I think, you know, it's a, I use the word tribe a lot. Like yeah. it's a tribe thing, yeah. you know, where you almost, you see these people and you're like, these are my people, yeah. <laughs> you oh, know? Absolutely. And, um, and so it makes it easy to, um, you know, drop some of those um, guards that you have like in your day-to-day life, you know, yeah. especially, I mean, we met at Desire, um, like, holy shit. You know, you you walk in there and you are just somewhere else. And this was mm-hmm. the first full swing set takeover, so it was like hugely that every yeah. it was almost like literally almost everybody yeah. was safe, felt safe. Yeah, you know. And so, um, you know, you, you don't you don't want, I don't want to go back. <laughs> you don't want to leave. Yeah, but um, it yeah, it, you breach those um, defenses much quicker because you're not on guard. Yeah. But when things pop up, they really slap you in the face. Yeah. And I think that has been something I have felt because I'm someone who is very guarded, um, that it's like, holy shit, I'm having this issue with this person and they already have so much access to the inner me. Yes. And it's really quite terrifying to be like, I've laid myself open and I feel so much more vulnerable to the potential hurts because I'm super anxious, you know, expect to be coming mm-hmm. as the next thing. It's so funny. I was, um, oh God, again, you know, the, the theme keeps coming up with the competitive mm-hmm. nature of being female. 
um, I was walking this morning and um, I was just thinking to myself that, um, man, I'm really good at being vulnerable because I'm like really open and like really sharing and I you know, really care about people and I'm honest, you know, all that. And it's really convenient because it's really hard to like actually hurt me, mm. but that's not vulnerability. Yeah. Like that, like I'm nice, you know, like, but like for me to unpack everything and hand you like this kernel of like, okay, this is where you can hurt me. Yes. And I'm trusting you with it. Yeah. I don't do that. Yeah. You know, so like, I'm not good at being vulnerable. I'm just really good at being um, defensive without being like, uh, without pushing people away, you yeah. know, like a lot of layers to get there. Yeah. And that is that is exactly it. Like, it's it's not vulnerability until there is the potential for mm-hmm. hurt. Yeah, which I'm not a fan of. I avoid <laughs> at all costs. And so that's the thing is like, I actually suck at vulnerability. I'm just really good at, it's not pretending. I'm not, at, I mean, none of it's fake. The thing I worry about the most is coming off as insincere. Mm. You know, um, it's all real, but, um, you know, there's just, you have to, I know that like when we first started talking because of the way that I am, like, cause I wanted to be vulnerable with you. So I'm trying to unpack super fast so I can get to that little core thing mm-hmm. and go, okay, here's, here's, you know, where you can attack me. Here's my, you know, soft spot. Um, that I think you were definitely overwhelmed where I was like, all of the things, take <laughs> all of the things, have them now. I care so much. And you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> And I'm just like slamming down barriers yes. as fast as I can to protect myself from the onslaught. And I'm like, but um, I, but I'm not a, I'm not attacking you. I'm I'm, tr- I'm trying to to you know unwrap and and give this to you. And you're like, you're scary. <laughs> but it's just where my my vulnerabilities are just much closer to the surface, mm-hmm. I think. And and I'm also just like I'm super. I'm super guarded. And it's quite funny because people often say with regards to my writing and and the way that I talk on the podcast and stuff, how clearly willing to be vulnerable I am. And and again, like I'm willing, I'm just kind of an exhibitionist. Yes, (laughs) Um, that's a big difference. You know, I'm willing to talk about all these things about myself, but that's not Again, that's not where the true vulnerability lies. Like this is information that I don't feel is a threat to me. Right. Um, so it's like, you can, you can have all of it because, you know, it's sort of helping me process feelings mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And you can't do anything and, with it. And, um, you can read it or not. Yeah. yeah. And I think because other people might not be willing to share those things, it really feels like vulnerability to them. And it's, you know, it's not like I'm not being authentic and these are, are real feelings that I'm, that I'm working through or I wouldn't bother to write them down. But yeah, it's not that, it's not that, you know, here is my, my heart on a platter kind of right, kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Um, and I'm also terrible at doing that when I, when I have to do that <laughs> with, with a partner, with a love. Yeah. I, I don't like that. No, it's not comfy. No, it's not comfy. Um, you know, it's sometimes the initial approach, which I discussed mine, which is an onslaught of affection. <laughs> And caring um, in order to not have to show my own vulnerability. Um, that the initial stance can be really crucial. Like the the initial approach. And sometimes we don't get the 
option to kind of curate that experience like we'd like to. Oh, yeah. Sometimes we're just slapped in the face with this new person that yeah. is, we have to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I guess it really comes down to um, whether or not you are approaching these relationships with hope or with fear. Mm. And um, that's been kind of my thing for 2017. Like, you know, is this something that I want so much that I'm willing to invest in it? Or is this something that I'm so afraid of that I'm avoiding it? You know, Mm -hmm. and um, I tend to default to hopeful, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, like the love of my love is my love. (laughs) You know, I mean, why wouldn't, why wouldn't that work? Mm -hmm. Um, Which is kind of naive. um, But, uh, you know, I'm willing to make adjustments as things go on. Um, But then, you know, I'm not always great at that. Sometimes people, you know, scare the shit out of me. And, uh, you know, my reaction is definitely much more of like a, you know, Snow White's evil stepmother with the mirror, mirror on the wall. Am I like still the fairest? (laughs) You know, and uh, is this, you know, new person um, shinier than me? Like, what in the fuck is going on here? And, And how you approach that person from there on really sets a tone. Yeah, because it's really easy to, I think, just be in someone's face a bit too much and maybe want want to develop a relationship with someone who maybe doesn't necessarily want a relationship with you. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's yeah. me. <laughs> um, and, you know, both approaches are legit. Like, you have the right to want a relationship with them, and they have the right to not necessarily mm-hmm. want one with you. And I think, you know, talking honestly to figure out where you are in that is really challenging. And I think it would have been very easy for me to choose not to have a relationship with you. Yeah. Because you frightened me. Um, <laughs> not, not, no, no, no. no not I know, in, I know what you mean. And not even just because you, you were intense about, about wanting that with me, but because of the, you know, quote unquote threat you posed to me through your relationship with Flick and through your relationship with Will and all of the big feelings that I was having while I was at Desire related to feeling invisible and replaceable. And I really could have put that on you rather than looking at where it was coming from inside myself and looking at the way that the boys were acting that exacerbated that feeling. I mean, I never felt like you didn't own it. Yeah. You know, I mean, not even for a minute. And, um, you know, it never felt like um, you were trying to say that I was doing anything wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, it just... um, it created, you know, we, we talked about the, the attention scarcity you yeah. know, thing. And it's even more, um, you know, Flick is your partner, but, you know, you don't see Will very often. Yeah. So, um, and neither do I. Um, so that created like, you know, uh, that scarcity, yeah. you know, there's only but so much time. We're only here for a week. Yeah. And um, this person has this much attention and they're already going to spread it out between all of these people. Right. And I want to be the special one, you know, when they have right. extra time. Yeah. And, and for me, you know, um, I have a, a chronic illness. So um, I spent probably 70% of the um, tr- desire trip in bed not like alone in bed. (laughs) And, um, you know, uh, Clark would come to me and say, Hey, you know, uh, can you come hang out with me so that I don't feel like the creepy guy who doesn't actually have a partner here as like an invisible partner. And I'm like, yes. Um, so I didn't 
see that happening, you know, because I was like, I barely saw anybody. Yeah. But it just happened to be like, it was like a perfect storm of just like the wrong time for the wrong thing. Yeah. And um, like, really, if there are um, malevolent forces that try to push people away from each other, they were, they were acting in force. <laughs> <laughs> you and I, and we said, "Bitch, no." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm really, I'm really pleased that we did that, and that you, you know, sought me out because I probably would have just gone into avoidant mode mm-hmm. and just not attempted to connect because you know it's it's easier and safer to just hide from <laughs> my oh, feelings yeah. and and from the person that that you perceive as the scary person as opposed to like dealing with all of the issues related to it. And again, like with media and pop culture, we're always taught that, you know, like when an affair happens, it's that fucking bitch mistress's fault and and stuff like it's not that, you know, your partner was unfaithful or whatever. Like we're always taught to hate the other other woman. woman. And so, yeah, I didn't want that to be the approach that I took. And, and, you know, again, like trying to shake off all this, you know, fucking patriarchal you know, bullshit. Yeah. I that. mean, the the last um, heteronormative monogamous relationship, you know, that I was long term that I was in um, was when I was married um, to the father of my children. And he had an affair that like blew up my life. My youngest child was eight months old. And he actually left me. Um, and there was, I was like powerless, nothing I could do. I mean, everything was, you know, whatever. So I have a tendency to, um, write people off sometimes when they're flipping out, you know, I mean, even in non-monogamy when they're flipping out about that shit, being like, I've been there. I did that. I got through it. It's fine. It wasn't that bad. Like I handled it. Here's what you need to, here's the recipe, you know, for getting through this. It worked for me. It's a, it's a fucking cookie cutter. I'm lending it to you, you know, get over it so that I don't have to deal with, you know, your shit (laughs) pretty much. And, um, that doesn't work really well. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't, it's, it's hard in my current relationship with Clark sometimes to be like, um, you know, uh, dude, this is not that big of a deal. Mm. Yes, it is. Like, no, no, it really isn't. Cause I've been through a big deal. Well, then you just sound like a bitch. And, um, yeah, I'm not trying to do that either. Yeah. Cause you know, small things are big when they're Big. I'm, I'm super articulate today. Um, <laughs> well, the objects in the rearview mirror may be closer <laughs> than they appear, so it might look small, but you're about to smash into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I getcha. And and just because something isn't crisis mode, like if I compared every issue I deal with in in daily life to like watching both of my parents die from cancer, yeah, it's not a big it's fucking deal. Right. Um, I've 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 been through the shit. Um, but you know, I'm also going to cry because this didn't happen or, you know, like I, I, you know, ridiculous little things can happen poorly and, and it feels kind of giant. Um, despite the fact that I have, you know, been through real pain. Um, well, again, it's, you know, you have, um, you know, while you might seem more heavily armored, to the average person, um, the the plate's not super thick, you mm. know, and the the vulnerability is right there. Mm-hmm. You know, once you feel comfortable enough to take it off, there you know, there you are. But um, you know, like I said, with me, it is buried under so many layers of like nice and helpful that um, 
it is, it's difficult to get to, and it's not necessarily a good thing. You know, I mean, some of the conversations we've had, um, you know, you've gotten like, you know, teary eyed and, you know, stuff about, you know, talking and there's like no judgment. I'm jealous. I wish that I could, you know, bring those things up in myself, but it's just too scary. Oh, I wish that I could get that shit to stop. So, <laughs> Although we are both angry criers. We have we're, that in common. We do. Yes. Yeah. Every emotion for me, like super happy, super angry, just super stressed, like everything comes out in tears. Right. And anxiety, like when I, thankfully not very often, but when I have a panic attack, like a full-blown panic attack, it is basically like weeping uncontrollably. Yeah. And, you know, it's not like gasping for air and rocking back and forth and all these traditional ways that you hear of panic attacks. Like it is just like it is just crying that is completely inconsolable and goes on. So yeah, that's just like, it seems to be the only way that my body knows how to disperse. Yes. Well, not the only way. (laughs) (laughs) Which, you know, that one often turns into. Yes. As you also know. And that's okay. That's okay. You know, um, a lot of times... It seems some of the conversations we have had have revolved around how, you know, you tend to look, uh, look down on women. And correct me if I'm wrong. I'm telling you how you feel. I'm mansplaining to you right now that, um, you know, you tend to look down on women who are a little more of the hopeless feminine, you know, and I kind of am more like, Vulcan and tend to look down on the women who are ruled by emotion rather than logic. Mm. Um, all, but at the same time, I'm kind of jealous. Like I kind of would love to just lose my like absolute total complete and utter shit. Cause I think I'd feel way better afterwards. Well, yeah, I think that's a really common thing is actually kind of dismissing things you would like to be. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> because I. Yeah, I, I too am jealous and I, and I fight a lot with myself about having those feelings of looking down at people who, who seem kind of helpless because it's a perfectly legitimate way to be and mm-hmm. to be feminine and all that kind of thing. And, and I think we're going to talk about it later, but it sort of buys into the cool girl, oh, yeah. you know, overly capable kind of thing. But it's often like I, I am jealous as fuck of, of gals who get to be princesses mm-hmm. and get to have everyone do everything for them. Yeah. Cause like, I just, I, I mean, I couldn't let myself do that because of the way that my brain works, but it's also, it comes from such a piece of self-worth that right. I don't feel like I deserve, like, I feel like if I tried to act like that, no one would look after me because I don't deserve that kind of right. attention. And and I feel like if I were to totally lose my shit and just be an emotional dumpster fire, that all the people who are close to me, who are close to me because I'm so logical and, you know, capable and all this stuff would leave me. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's very similar. Yeah. And unpacking these things with other women. Yeah. Because no offense, men, and this is, you know, not every last living one of you, but, um, you know, when we've been socialized, you know, in a certain way, you, you, you can try your best to understand, but, you know, you really haven't lived it necessarily. You may have lived a version of it. You know, there are things that are just common human experiences. Yeah. But, you know, really that being female, because like, I'm kind of, I want to be a cowboy. And like, I want to be Prince Charming. Like that, you know, that's what I want to be. And, you know, then I I see girls who 
are the kind of girls who are so strong and so capable and do so much that I want to take care of them, Mm. but they won't let someone take care of them because so much of their self-worth is wrapped up in being capable. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so um, to address this issue from that perspective where we're not, it's just our relationship with each other. There's no one else involved. There's no outside gaze. There's no competition. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, I kind of want to be your cowboy. <laughs> Just saying. <say it. laughs> gonna get my lasso out. You're gonna like it. <laughs> I might be blushing and swooning a little bit right now. Yeah, she. Oh my god, Kat made me blush in the sex toy store. <laughs> Nobody else has ever made me blush in the sex toy store. Oh, I felt so smug. <laughs> she was. She was winning it. Yeah, it was good. I think I, I made her blush later, though, so we did all right. Um, uh-huh. Okay, so wait, what are um, we talking about? <laughs> trying to even remember. Just sort of have, like, this just, like, tingly feeling that's happening. Do we need a break? <laughs> Maybe just a, a sip of my, my beverage. <laughs> I'm so embarrassed that I'm drinking this. <laughs> you shouldn't be. This is a safe place. Um. So yeah, I think we were we we started on the line of um, competition, and I think something that we that we is worthwhile addressing is um, particularly you know coming from the monogamy viewpoint and why competition is such a big deal because there is a big threat with your partner wanting to fuck another woman because there is a chance that he might leave you for her. Right. Um, so yeah, like that, you know, and from the evolutionary, you know, you want this person to look after you and perhaps your your children if mm-hmm. you've had them, like it's it's kind of a big deal to keep, you know, the that source of security. Um and you know, we're not gonna lie or anything, like this can happen in non-monogamy too. We'd yes, like, it sure can. And and that there is a, you know, there is a reality of time and attention. Everyone always talks about in polyamory that, you know, love is infinite, but time isn't. Yeah. And, you know, it's very true. And when someone that you have a relationship with, a connection with, starts paying their time and attention to someone else, especially if they have multiple other others, you know, there's there becomes a smaller and smaller piece of the pie that's available for you. So, yes. you know, legitimately, there are concerns to do with this. But it kind of depends, like, what kind of relationship you have and what kind of expectations and needs you have. And, and whether they've been well communicated. Yes, exactly. Because a lot of times the things that trip you up are the things that you just have not said yet. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because a lot of the time we are very fearful of expressing needs because Oh, believe we, me, yeah. Um, again, there's often the self-worth piece where we feel like we don't deserve to have our needs met. And those of us who spend a lot of time, you know, in order to keep our own self-worth going up, meeting the needs of other people right. and, and constantly, yeah. you know, doing, you know, for me, it's usually a big song dance production number with, with gymnastics potentially. A literal one? Um, yes, yeah, often. Yeah, can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> like who got up multiple times doing the karaoke at, <laughs> at Desire and was walking through the lobby and someone, you know, one of the workers is like, oh, will you please do that song again and hands me the mic? And I'm like, Fuck yes, I will. <laughs> Show is <Yeah>. on. Um, <laughs> maybe someone will look at me and like me more. Like, it's just like, yeah, it's, I know. it's ridiculous. Um, but anyway, um, but yeah, that constant need to prove my worth, because if I don't keep that song and dance up, then somebody's gaze is going to go to yeah. someone else. 
else who yeah. who isn't. And then I also get really kind of resentful of people who don't seem to be doing anything all of the worth work. paying attention to and everyone's paying attention to them. Yeah, fuck that bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really. <laughs> and it's just so funny because we we've ended up like coming at this, you know, from such different directions yeah. and really in a lot of ways being such very different people, yet you know, really, the wiring is so similar, and it, and the the messaging and the things that we do, although with different approaches, you know, it's really all comes down yeah, to the it's, same thing. It's not hard to understand each other once you have um, defined terms. Yeah, you know, and um, I think that that is. A big part of the problem is, you know, um, a lot of us want to be nice. We want to be helpful. We want to be useful. Um, you know, we, we were talking about how we do have some overlap with, you know, partners and people and, um, and stuff. And, um, I, in the back of my mind, there's always this thought of, um, if I make Kat unhappy, am I going to lose access to Flick? Or oh. Iris, or other people in her life, you uh-huh. know, not because of you or the way yeah. you are, but just as a, as an anxiety that my brain comes up with, you know, yeah. to have something to be anxious about. Um, so it's the flip side of the gonna steal my man coin, you know, where it's like, um, okay, so clearly, uh, you know, this person isn't trying to steal my man, um, or, um, I'm not trying to steal this person's man and they know that, but, um, Am I under this onus of like a dictatorship of a relationship that, mm. you know, if I step out of line, am I going to get smacked down? And then, you know, and how strong is the person who, you know, I'm having this partnered relationship with? And, you know, what's their relationship like? Yeah. I mean, it's like it takes um, the flat circle the flat monogamous relationship circle and turns it into a sphere where there's a million different points that Mm -hmm. you can hit on that can be a problem. And so you just have to talk more. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, in some, in some relationship agreements, you know, there's things like the veto or, or that kind of thing where, where, you know, someone's partner can say, no, you don't get to date that person anymore. Or even just, you know, sort of, making their life miserable Miserable, right yes the passive aggressive version of the relationship agreement yeah that it's just like you know yeah we you know flick and i definitely don't have those types of things in place and i think both of us have in the past sort of changed relationships or looked differently at relationships we knew the other person didn't approve of Mm -hmm. and so it's definitely a thing that can happen and has happened for us um but it's interesting because really the connection that you had with Flick is a big part of the reason that despite the fact that I was a little freaked out a few times, I kept moving forward with you because I know, I know him and I know how good his taste is and I know how strong his bullshit detector is. Mm -hmm. And I know that he does not put up with people that aren't like, really worth it. Right. Well, and so that for me was very much like even when my inner story, which I know I can't always trust thanks to it being a lying dick. Um <laughs> it, you know, I despite the fact that that was really was really going off with a lot of alarm bells a few times, I 
just had to look back and say, no, like, I know that Flick would not be interested in her if there was not like a lot of a lot of reason for that. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think I ever told you this. I did tell him um, that on the flip side, even when um, things with us were, you know, a little bit fraught, you know, at times, um, because there was a part of me because, you know, Flick and I had a like, I mean, we, we were at desire being like, fuck, we are terrible swingers. Like, cause, because we would, we would go off in the corner and hide and talk for like four hours. <laughs> you know, we were like, we are totally swingering wrong. And, um, there was part of me that was like, is he just one of those fucking like heart collector dudes who mm. wants to like, he's not interested in like bedpost notches. Like he wants like you know, the journals of poetry to like look back on and laugh maniacally at, you know, or like what? But I was like, no, you know what? Because Kat wouldn't put up with that shit. (laughs) So there's no way that that's what it is. Because, and you know what? If it turns out that it is, I'm going to tell her and she's (laughs) going to be pissed, you know? So there was a level of reassurance, even when we weren't actively communicating by, you know, having just known you, know what, mm-hmm. known of you, we have mutual friends and stuff that I was like, uh-uh, you know, if that's what this was, um, you know, she would not still be with this person. Mm-hmm. So it goes both ways. Hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's interesting because um, I'm just totally going to segue here for a moment. Um you you often are, are incredibly sweet and you send me messages and you tell me how awesome I am and stuff like that. And I'm always like, shut your wet mouth. Like, <laughs> I just, just like, fuck off with that. Like, I don't want to hear it. But when you say things like that, or you said um, the other day that I'm like one of the few anxious people that you could calm down around. Yeah. Like, those are the things that when I hear, I'm like, I'm awesome. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> like, awesome. <laughs> You know, and I feel that in a way that I don't when someone tells me that I'm awesome. Right. Yeah. It, there is a, there's a little bit of um, the, the art of the compliment that is revelatory, you mm-hmm. know, where you're like, I had never thought about that. I am that. Fuck yeah, me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's, that's you know, I, I tweeted something about it, like being able to see your awesome through someone else's yeah. eyes. Like it, it feels real in a way that when someone just gives you a, a compliment saying you're great or you're pretty or, or you you're, have a you're... fantastic ass, which is true, by the way. <laughs> um, but you you don't hear it in the same way. And I and I get kind of resistant and occasionally right. hostile toward. Um, but, but seeing it through someone else's eyes and someone saying to me at at a work event recently, like you you free people to be themselves. Yes. And like, oh like yeah. it just that feels so different. And so getting to getting to see that from from someone and um so yeah, you you mentioning about, you know, being trust more trusting of of Flick and his his intentions towards you. Um yes, his intentions. <laughs> his intentions. Um <laughs> because you knew that I wouldn't put up with that it, right. like that's very complimentary to me in a way that feels good and I don't want to like just kind of punch you for saying it yay I did good <laughs> cowboy to the rescue <laughs> don't make me start singing the Dixie Chicks no please don't um all right so it's it's not always going to be apparent to you how your partner's partner or your metamor or, you know, occasionally who is also sometimes a fuck buddy um, <laughs> is, you know, really feels about you because mm-hmm. 
she might be trying to pretend that everything is good. Right. Because we all want to be GGG and cool girl and, you know... Uh, you don't want to be difficult. Right. We want to be nice. You want your partner to be happy. happy. Yeah. And and you don't want to seem like a bitch. Right. And all we of those things. You don't want to be things. like Michelle or Tanya. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck them. Um, them. We're so sorry, Michelle's and Tanya's. <laughs> You're probably delightful, except that one Michelle yeah, and that one and Tanya. that one Tanya. We should look them up on Facebook and like post a update in the show notes. <laughs> Actually, they're very nice people now. We're going to directly apologize, except I ain't got time for that. No, and I actually met my Tanya at like a 10-year oh, reunion, shit. and she was still just as awful. Oh, sorry. <laughs> wait, wait, where were we? Okay, cool girls. Yes. So um, another thing that I was thinking on my walk today was how it is so much easier to appreciate and watch, like kind of sit back and examine and enjoy a connection that your partner has with someone who's not like you. Or at least it is for me. Mm. Mm -hmm. When someone's more similar to me, more similar, I don't know, someone similar to me, that um, they have different, we're on the same scale, but like our peaks and valleys vary. Yes. That you're like, you know, you've talked about um, compersion Barbie mode and that this person seems like, you know, an an upgrade or, you know, U2.0 or whatever. And um, that's way harder for me. Oh, yeah. Way harder. There's there's a mutual friend of um, Clark's and mine that I adore and have been trying to, you know, without like being too pushy, be like, you really should hang out with them more. And, um, but at the same time, she scares me because intellectually she makes me, she makes me feel like an idiot. Mm. I mean, she's every like brilliant thought I've ever had. She had like five years ago (laughs) and, um, you know, she is, uh, I mean, she's, she's just great. And our relationship is built on other things than just my intellectual um, abilities. Yeah. You know? So um, he's not going to leave me because she's smarter. He's not going to leave me because so-and-so is prettier. He's not going to... And he's not even looking for someone better than me or, you know, whatever. It's just... Maybe he just likes the same thing. Maybe Mm -hmm. he just wants to eat a shit ton of butter pecan ice cream. You know, and, uh, but I would be happier if there was like more chocolate and vanilla and variety and, mm-hmm. you know, stuff in there. Um, cause that's a lot of times easier to watch happen. Yeah. Cause it's much easier to kind of visualize that person just kind of, you know, like being lifted up and kind of just dropped into your place and nobody noticing that you're gone. Yes. It, it, it's and, an invisibility thing. Yeah. And that is absolutely it for me. Like that, that feeling of being replaceable, of being, yeah, like, and, and I think, again, like that is why you seemed like such a threat. Because right, we are similar. Um, and that's why we, we like each other. Yeah. And, you know, we <laughs> yeah. click in a lot of ways, but we've got the, the goofy colored, you know, queer haircut mm-hmm. and, you know, the tattoos, although you're doing much more impressively than me on that. But, <laughs> you know, more money and fun. have, you know, like we're, we're both sassy and we have like a lot of these qualities in common yet are, you know, very, very different people in so, so many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's very easy to just look at those superficial Yeah, the things you see first. And it's like, yeah, it's sort of like petite, you know, 
funky hair tattoos like yeah she yeah that's yeah doctor who and star wars yeah right yeah and i have the added thanks to the fucking patriarchy you know fear <laughs> like she's younger than me so i'm not that much younger um, than you but you're still younger than me well i have i have three i have three children and you so yeah you it's like just that yeah just put three like millstones around my neck <laughs> that make me unappealing I don't think of my kids that way at all, but um, I can see how I'm like, oh, I can't go out, you know, this weekend, even though this is our standing date weekend, because, you know, my kid's sick or it's their birthday or, yeah. you know, whatever. And it's like, they're even more so than a partner. I always have someone who's going to come before you. Yeah. Like, period. Yeah. You know, so a lot of people don't, they don't want to deal with that. Um and, you know, and I, I actually do really like my kids and I think they're awesome and funny and I like talking about them. And a lot of people who are in, you know, the non-monogamy, you know, circles have chosen to be child free and they don't want to hear about your fucking kids. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I have to edit out a huge portion of my life yeah. sometimes. Um You know, and like, I mean, I have, um, I have body image issues and, um, you know, from being, uh, being ill and, you know, out of shape and whatever. I'm just like, I am like, I'm like a lazy ass lay, like (laughs) the worst. And, uh, you know, (laughs) I'm going to have to disagree (laughs) unless I'm really inspired. Um, but no, like as a general rule, I, I totally am. And I, I own it. Um, and so I'm like, you know, I, like cat is like exciting and like fucks like a rock star and like i know this because i've seen it like it's not even like third hand or whatever (laughs) like i know and so i'm just like god damn you know everybody's gonna be gonna be disappointed you know by comparison so yeah we i mean it's it's back and forth but the the real the real essential thing is that we both have this archetype that we've been programmed to think that boys want and it's changed yeah. throughout history yeah you know and i think our our current one is like the cool girl mm-hmm. you know i i will cop to having read gone girl but um you know the quote about how you know the guys want the cool girls but there are no cool girls they're just pretending that yeah. doesn't really exist yeah you know nobody likes fart jokes and hot dogs that much yeah um and so but we buy it I mean, we buy it, we buy into it, you know, and we judge each other based on this totally arbitrary concept that isn't even our idea, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's this idea of not not trying to be something to be that something, but to, like, win someone, basically. Yeah, yeah. Like, it- that's how you earn... So you earn boys. Um, <laughs> like they're punches on like a punch card, yes. you know? Yes. Um, it's one like, more boy and I get a free one. Yeah. Or like, okay, like I've got my punch card and I like video games and Star oh, Wars. Oh, yeah. It's a bingo. It's a bingo card. And I, you know, I wear cat's eye glasses and I have the hair and I want to play cool girl bingo. Can we make a cool girl bingo <laughs> card? I'm so there for that. Let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I have a feeling both of us would hit like so many of the points yes. and many of them being slightly different for each other. Because right. I don't do the horror movies because I'm a scaredy cat. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, I'm sure there's things that, that I do that, that you maybe, yeah, like I watched a whole lot of WWF wrestling. Oh, yeah. Way you back went, in the you day. went there. Uh, yeah. If we, if we were to have Dylan on, he would probably put that point. 
um, in your in your basket. <laughs> so he's less impressed, I think, by my multiple views of of Hannibal mm. um, as he is by by your. Didn't you write like a blog? I used to write for Wrestling dot com, <laughs> which is hot as fuck. <laughs> Let's just all admit it. So I think that it's awesome and super hot that you're into things that I'm not into. I don't find it threatening. I went to chorus rehearsal with you. <laughs> you did. Which uh, was totally entertaining and enjoyable. And I loved getting to see, you know, something that you do, that you love to do, that you're, you're proud of, that's part of who you are, um, that you're good at, um, that I have absolutely no knowledge of or nothing to do with. You know, so like it was appreciation, you know, and not competition. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that has been the turning point for the various things, it, the various feelings and stuff in, in our relationship with each other is that um, we have taken those points that would typically be competitive mm-hmm. and turned them into ways to understand and appreciate each other. Yeah. Like, I like you because we're different. It doesn't make me feel threatened. And I like you in the ways that we're the same. Yeah. And that doesn't make me feel threatened either. Yeah. But it was work to get here. Yeah. And I think that's, like, really the value in in taking the time and going through the discomfort of of getting to know each other. And and also speaks to how actually difficult that is online. Yeah. Because intent does not always translate in yeah. typing. And I I spend so much of my time preferring online communication mm-hmm. and you know liking being able to hide behind that wall and liking being able to take time to compose my thoughts and think about things because I'm just not I'm not great thinking on the fly and I often need to like sit with something for quite a few hours and and so the pressure of being like let's say on a on a telephone call or um Together or, for 10 days. Yes. Um, or, <laughs> yeah. you know, just really, like, together, just having a, having a conversation. It's like, oh, I have to react in real time. And, and that can be frightening, but it's really given us the opportunity to, to get to know each other in a way and be, like, silly and vulnerable and, and real without being able to hide behind those things, yeah. which has been really helpful and, and being able to read faces and feel intent and, and that kind of thing, which for me is just so important to to be able to get that and, and get that real, real feeling from someone that it doesn't always come through yeah. in the, the online conversation. Well, because I'm because I'm such a fast unpacker, it can again, it's, uh, it's hard for me to always feel like I'm coming across as sincere because yeah. I'm like here are all the things, yeah. you know, and people are like, what the fuck? Um, and it's easy to, if your brain doesn't work that way, you don't believe other people's can. Right. So, yeah. so that's sort of where that sincerity or, you know, it seems inauthentic because it's like, nobody could fucking be like that. Right. Um, but when you are, or, <laughs> you or are. you look at it and I'm not saying me in particular, but you see someone else's way of doing something and you say, oh, that's so much better than my way of doing that. Mm. You know, that's so much more appealing. Like, even I find that more appealing than the way that I am, which, you know, um, there is a certain level of, like, uh, happy homemaker that um, scares the shit out of me. Like, Mm. you know, when I go to someone's house, it's, like, pristine, and it smells like fresh-baked 
bread and I'm just like ready to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, uh, different things threaten different vulnerabilities and, mm-hmm. um, you know, insecurities and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and for me, the problem tends to be, um, I'm trying to create closeness, you know, just like that happy homemaker lady yeah. as like, wants to be welcoming and have it be nice for you and have you be happy and comfortable. Yeah. And it makes me want to punch her in the throat when, you know, I'm handing you all these things and you're like, I don't know what to do with all the things. And I'm like, why doesn't she like me? Yeah. You know, I haven't even gotten to where that can hurt my feelings yet. It kind of hurts my feelings. Um, that it, defining those relationships and uh, defining the intent behind them mm-hmm. are super hard conversations to have. Yeah. But they're the only thing that are going to get you past that. Okay, so the things that threaten you and make you feel vulnerable, why do they make you feel vulnerable? Do they make you feel vulnerable because of your partner and what they like and their preferences? Or do they make you feel vulnerable because of your own insecurities? Or do they make you feel vulnerable because of the way that you potentially feel about this person? You know, and that Mm -hmm. it might not be comfortable, but there's maybe something there that's worth getting over the discomfort that would be in your, because we've, we've really been talking about, um, all of these topics with relation to our relationships with men. Yes. Yeah, very much so. And we haven't even gotten into the the discussion of female relationships. (laughs) Well, you know, yeah. And, um, because you know, but I think that this th- this topic was sort of initially, you know, what I had yeah. really been thinking about for the episode because it sort of left for us to just kind of like deal with much of the time, right? You know, it's just kind of like okay, there's all this stuff, and you know, get to feeling that compersion and let's go. Um, and it hadn't, I hadn't seen much discussion of of how awkward that is and why it's that awkward, right? Um, because, you know, and, and the feels that I've had about, about other people and, and, you know, while, while we're at Desire, um, Will's partner, Elle, and I had a really great evening together of, of some really hot sex. And then, um, which I heard from the hot tub. <laughs> um, and then like, you know, yeah, did the schmoopy lie in each other's arms for hours and just talk about our feelings. And that is not something I generally do with people. Yeah. Um, and would generally like get that kind of like terrified look on my face <laughs> if someone suggested wanting to do that. Um, and it'd just be like, no, no, I'm a no for that. Thanks. Um, hard no, hard no. But in the right context, it was great. And, and it allowed she and I to get close in a way that we hadn't. And I had right. spent the better part of, gosh, almost two years at that point, like, really kind of tiptoeing around her because I just I didn't really ever know how she felt about me and and we were friendly and I tried to chat with her a bit, but she wasn't super chatty and he would always insist, oh no, she really likes you. She really likes you. But I wasn't entirely convinced of that. And so... Because sometimes guys are going to say that because it's like convenient for them and not because it's necessarily the truth. I'm not saying it's that in that situation, but it's been known to happen. Yeah. And sometimes they legitimately don't know because they they might ask and she's like, no, everything's fine. You know, because... Again, she's trying to be all those, you know, cool girl, cool girl, GGG, you know, like, let's not rock the boat kind of doing that thing. So it can be really tricky to know. Um, And it can be really interesting because we sometimes have these kinds of 
like in between relationships where it's it's more than a friendship and it's more than like being metamors like because you often end up having sex and sometimes like with your partners in some in some formation um <laughs> formation Ca- okay in case you didn't know cat lines us up okay and she has this baton it has gl- it has like glitter in it it's like one of those floaty baton things yeah and she spins it no i'm just kidding <laughs> but it's a great but visual. we could do that <laughs> i think i'm in um but yeah like there's not necessarily a romantic relationship as as we would typically think of it but there's there's often a sexual relationship and 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 kind of a more like intimate friendship kind of thing that that can be really kind of a strange hybrid kind of limbo place to be it, it really is because um you know, I have found in um, the majority of my relationships with male um, others that, you know, besides my my nesting partner, that um, they're my really, really good friends and we're close and we can talk about anything and I will call them out on their bullshit and they'll do the same for me and we fuck and it's great and whatever, but I'm not in love with them. Mm-hmm. I don't have a romantic attachment. That, you know, um, it was something that for me was almost not on the table mm-hmm. at all um, until I met Flick at Desire, which um, I had I had, had a uh, close relationship with someone for a long time um, who was an other that uh, was really damaging, that I was constantly reaching for this person. And sometimes he would be just brilliantly available and do the exact right thing. And then sometimes he would just fucking push me off the cliff. Um, you know, and, uh, I thought that maybe I just wasn't good at connecting with people anymore. Mm. And then, you know, when I, I got to desire and I, I saw, I saw flick, I'd like the first three things, like, um, I was like, oh, he's cute. And then I saw him laugh and I was like, oh, that's sweet. And then he was talking to somebody and he, the way that he put his hand on the shoulder of the person he was talking to, I was like, oh, he's really kind. And I looked at Clark and I was like, keep that man and his whore mouth away from me. Because <laughs> he's clearly trouble. And so like I avoid, I actively avoided it, which is something that I do. Yeah. I'll be close you know, I will be there for you. I will help you, you know, whatever. But again, that core vulnerability is really hard for me to bring out. And so, um, I love to joke with my male friends that like, you know, I'm coming to visit, like I'm, I'm here to, um, you know, change the oil in your car and fuck your women, you know, and whatever. But, um, I have found myself in non-monogamy being, drawn to the the more like romantic idea of having women who are close in my life because again I kind of was the uh the stereotypical chick chasing after being the cool girl so I had lots of dude friends and Mm -hmm. whatever so now all of a sudden I had all these close female friends and sometimes we fuck and it's great but then I start to I have complicated feelings about things you know Mm -hmm. and I'm like what what should I do here? What do I do? How how do I define this? Is this all part of the same thing with this partner that we share? Or is it separate? Or is it other? Like, and that is a hard conversation to have. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and there's that sort of whole um, sort of spectrum of, like, bisexual versus biromantic. Yes. <laughs> um, and it was something that I thought for a very long time that I was bisexual and heteroromantic and then met Iris and that kind of my world kind of yeah. got like spun and she'll do that. Yeah, <laughs> she will. Yeah. Uh, pretty amazing. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it really changed up how I, I kind of saw myself and I think I still definitely lean much more toward um, bisexual rather than biromantic but I think I also just lean more toward sexual than romantic. <laughs> really, like this is known. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, that's like I I am much much less likely to to form those kind of romantic I love you kind of yeah. bonds with people, or or I'm in love with you kind of bonds, because um, there's lots of people that I love and and that's awesome. But you know that like I pine for you when you're gone, kind of feeling is not common for me and yeah so I'm I think you know my baseline is really I'm looking for awesome people that I have great friendships with and and really want to be around and have sex with and then I want them to leave me alone and and exactly yeah Um, and and um I as a general rule am the same way but um you know I mean we change as people and evolve all the mm -hmm. time and um, it, it was a really big deal for me to uh, to have that connection with him. And then um, I actually went, you know, back home and, and broke off the other relationship that I was having and the effect that that had on my relationship with Clark and, you know, how important, you know, my relationship with you, you know, was to me. Um, none of which I was expecting to happen on my fuckation to Mexico. I know. Like, you are a bad swinger. I am a terrible (laughs) swinger. I am telling you right now, bad at it, bad at it. And I'm also a very bad swinger. I'm sorry. I just want to love all the people. That's all. I want to fuck them and then love them, too, unless they're awful. (laughs) So. Thanks for listening. Please help boost our visibility by rating us and leaving a review on iTunes or Stitcher. It means a lot to us and helps us get into the ear holes of more listeners. You can follow us on Twitter at wetcoastcat, at SiriusFlick, at OnTheWetCoast. You can email us, contact at OnTheWetCoast.com. If you have any questions or comments, you can read Kat's blog at OnTheWetCoast.com or OnTheWetCoast at LifeOnTheSwingSet.com. You can also hear a lot more of Kat by buying the audiobook of Cooper S. Beckett's novel, A Life Less Monogamous, available at alifelessmonogamous.com. Enter code WETCOAST at checkout to save 10%. And audible.com. Check out other awesome sex-positive podcasts on the Swingset Network at swingset.fm. Our theme music is A Naked Gun, Bank Assault by Francesco D'Andrea. Episode music is Puzzle Pieces by Lee Rosebeer. Hi, I'm Andre Shakti. I'm a professional slut from the San Francisco Bay Area. I also write regularly about sex work and the industry politics for Cosmopolitan Online and for Harlot.com, spelled H-A-R-L-O-T. And you're listening to a Swingset podcast at swingset.fm. Set up. Yeah, it uh, really got get in there. You're I guess. Have to just be cozy. You're gonna okay. have to. I'm good with being cozy. You have to pretend cozy. like you like me. I don't have to pretend.
All right, so now we just have to get them to hammer. <laughs> That's usually not a problem we have. <laughs> it's not usually a problem. And we just have to tell Flick to go away and stop messaging so we don't just have a million buzzing sounds. Uh, yes, that's usually a problem. <laughs> <laughs> a million buzzing sounds. Yeah. <sighs> also a slightly do? different reason than usual. <laughs> yes, indeed. 